0: Hi, everyone. This is Emma for a special author interview with Alicia Thompson. We are here to talk about her book, Love in the Time of Serial Killers, which comes out on August 16th. Welcome, Alicia. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited to talk about this book. Now, your book has actually been on my radar for many, many months now, so I kind of can't believe we're almost to when it's going to be out in the world. How do
1: you feel that we're getting close to the publication date? I kind of can't believe it either, to be honest. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, I wrote it two years ago and then it takes, you know, so long to actually see it come through the publishing pipeline and all that, that now it's like so close. I can't, I can't believe it. We're in the final countdown. So before I get ahead of
0: myself already, can you tell our listeners briefly what Love in the Time of Serial Killers is about?
1: Sure. It's about a PhD candidate named Phoebe Walsh, and she is studying true crime as part of her um, graduate studies. And so it kind of makes her very paranoid all the time. Like She just tends to think of everything in the worst lens possible. And she has to go back to Florida um, because her father passed away and she has to clean out his house. And um, while she's there, she meets uh, his neighbor who's this, you know, hot, very nice guy. And of course, every single thing he does, she just thinks is very sus and very, you know, could he be a serial killer at all times? And, um, but he's not, spoiler alert. He's just a very sweet cinnamon roll guy. His name is Sam. He... He was wonderful.
0: And I think that's funny that you said that because he seems too good to be true at times. Um, Mm -hmm. that I think early on in their encounters, I could very easily see her going towards her, you know, instincts that everyone is a serial killer because he's just so nice.
1: Yeah. I, I, I love, like, just nice guys and romances. Like, I, I get the whole alpha thing. I've read books with that before as well. I can enjoy that. But I just love
0: just a simp, you know? Yeah. I do, too. And he was so great. I mean, I don't think this is spoiling anything because it's literally the start of the book. But he, like, offers to help Phoebe immediately upon seeing her. And I just mm-hmm. think that that's so nice. Yeah. Immediately wary. But he's just genuinely trying to help her. Um, you mentioned that the process of this book or writing this book and getting it to publication took a while. I'm curious when you first got the idea or the inspiration for what would become Love in the Time of Serial Killers.
1: I think, so in some ways it's hard to say because I tend to like percolate ideas for quite a while. Like I have little pieces of them that mm-hmm. I think about and then, Sometimes it takes a while for all the pieces to come together. Um, But with this book in particular, a lot of it was uh, like the summer of 2020. You know, we were freshly in pandemic lockdown. I was feeling very like squirrely and very like, you know, distrustful of people and just feeling like I was already forgetting how to interact with people. And I was thinking a lot about just the way that we connect I guess, with people and, and the way that it can be hard to open yourself up and be vulnerable when there's so much in the world that you have to worry about, whether it's you know pandemic stuff or serial killer stuff or whatever. It's just constant news barrage of bad stuff. Um, and the title actually came to me first. I thought about the title. I think I, think I may have thought about Love in the Time of Coronavirus because I probably saw it in like a you know, newspaper article. People were always putting that out there as like a, here's how you online date when you're going through a pandemic or whatever. Um, And then somehow that morphed in my head to Love in the Time of Serial Killers. And I read a lot of true crime when I was a teenager, especially. And so I just really thought about, you know, not that there's any active serial killer in the book, but just the idea of like, how do you fall in love when there's all this, you know, bad stuff in the world, whatever that may be.
0: I will say that I found that this premise was so compelling just upon reading it, because I do think that's so true. We're sort of fascinated by true crime, the books, the documentaries, where there is always you know, a bad guy, serial killer, that if that was your entire focus, like she's writing her dissertation, she's studying these people. It's all she's thinking about how you could sort of turn that off. Mm-hmm. To meet new people and sort of like find a relationship. I think you did a really wonderful job putting those two circumstances like on top of one another. Um, and I really felt for Phoebe at times in this book because you can tell she's really struggling to like remove herself from the lens of true crime. Um, but it's kind of all she's been studying for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious what the process was like writing this book during a pandemic and then getting it published. um, You know, it sounds like it took the better part of two years to just go from sort of start to finish. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what that was like.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird because actually I feel like in publishing terms, it was a very quick book actually, because I wrote it um, super fast for me. I wrote it in like two or three months and I was trying to meet a deadline for this mentorship contest I wanted to enter. And so I was kind of like, I'm going to finish this book and, you know, submit it basically just under the wire, like right at the deadline so I can get into this um, contest, which I did not get into. But, you know, it kind of set me up to have a manuscript I could query and then I could go out with and stuff like that. Um, and so basically, you know, I wrote the book in a couple months and then, you know, did some revisions on it and kind of tightened it up for, you know, for querying. And then, you know, the book, I would say, I, I want to say the book deal was announced in like January. So from August to January, that's actually really quick. Um, and then after that, it just takes a long time because of publication schedules, you know, where you have to kind of wait. And, and it's weird because it feels real, but it also doesn't. So every once in a while, like when people started being able to read the advanced reader copies, for example, I would get like occasional messages on Instagram, like, oh my God, I'm, lo- I'm reading your book and I'm loving it. And it was always really cool, but also kind of surreal because I was like, but I didn't send you the Google Doc link. So how can you be reading my book? How is that possible?
0: Yeah, I think that's really cool and that there are so many different pieces to publishing, but um, that it's it's finally getting down to when you'll have this book in the hands of readers. And I am lucky enough, I have the the actual, I think, finished one in my hand, but I did get to read an advanced copy um, and I Devoured this book in like two days. I think I don't know if that's a compliment when it took you a while to write something and someone says like, "Oh, I read it in a day." Um, no, I, I love
1: it. <laughs> I think about all the time when I read. Actually, I think like, "Wow, I just like gobbled up this book in an afternoon." And this author, you know, who knows how long that they worked on it and revised it, and you know, tried to put it out there, and you know, all the different process. But as a reader, I love to just devour it. I really just
0: found something so wonderful about the characters. Phoebe is grappling with a lot in this book. She's sort of figuring out her feelings for the swoony neighbor, Sam. She's cleaning out her dad's house after his passing and kind of sorting through all of her feelings about her parents. She's reconnecting with her brother, Connor, and um, an old friend from high school, there was a lot going on and each segment was very beautifully done like those are things i think we've all gone through the last several years where we're dealing with some type of change or you
1: mm-hmm. know shift
0: in relationships what drew you to all of those family friend dynamics that you have her explore in this book
1: um probably a lot of things but one thing in particular is one activity i took on during the pandemic was i um, you know, my husband and I started kind of doing a lot of like projects around the house. Cause it's like, well, what else are you going to do? And so we went through the garage and we were going through just a bunch of like, you know, boxes of old papers and sentimental stuff. And I'm definitely one of those people. Like I'm very sentimental. It's hard for me to get rid of stuff. You know, like I always tell myself, like, you don't need the program from your high school homecoming in order to remember it. But then when it comes down to it, I just like, I can't throw it away. You know, I'm like, well, I do want this piece of paper though. Um, and so I think that that was a lot of what inspired some of just like the nostalgia that she has in the book, but also that feeling of like facing who you used to be and realizing that you're not necessarily that person anymore, but also that you can be kind of tender toward that person. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to think about all the ways that you um, wronged somebody or somebody wronged you in your past. You can kind of move forward. I love that. I think that's
0: Um, perfectly encapsulates like the book where she's dealing with a lot of nostalgia through a lot of her present. And I'm curious in the um, book if the Paramore references are distinctly Phoebe or if those are from you as
1: well. I mean, (laughs) at some point we write what we know Mm -hmm. and any Paramore reference is basically just me not being able to help myself. Although actually I had a friend who commended me for my restraint. Because Paramore is not mentioned by name until like page eighty nine, so I I do think that that shows a bit of writerly restraint on my part that I didn't mention them page you know page one. I
0: loved those references. As someone that uh, was in high school when they were at their peak, I'm happy to see more people <laughs> sort of discover them now, uh, well, many many years later.
1: And I just have to put out that they are still at their peak. Yeah, just if
0: anything maybe
1: bigger. <laughs> I think that they're better than ever. I think every album just gets better.
0: I love that. That's so fun. Um so in this book, let's talk about Sam for a minute. He's extremely swoony. He's a children's well, a children's like music teacher, I almost said children's musician, but that's not quite right. <laughs> um he teaches music to kids. He is a nice guy. He's sort of wholesome through and through. But he, you know, he, there's some spice here. Is he based on anybody or did you draw inspiration for him um, from anybody or um, what was it like? Just I, you said you like writing nice or you like nice guys in romance. I'm just curious if that was sort of formulated early on in the process that he would just be the most wholesome, sweet man. Yeah, ever.
1: <laughs> it was pretty early on because I I really wanted him to be kind of a complete foil for Phoebe as far as like what she thinks of him as. So like when I originally thought about the, the concept, the love in the time of serial killers, I thought about making him, I guess like more outwardly serial killery seeming like more of like an alpha, more broody, more, you know, dark. Um, But I kind of thought that to me, the whole point was the juxtaposition of it that she's like reading so much into the most innocuous gestures I mean, like you said, like right off the bat, he's kind of like, can I help you move something? And she's kind of like Ted Bundy, you know, get out of my face. Um, and so I, I always wanted him to be just a really nice guy. And I think like there are some things about him um, that I think are somewhat inspired by like little bits of people that I know. Um, like I I have my mother-in-law works in the school system. And so I just, I've just i been like a substitute teacher before. I just have a lot of respect for educators and a lot of um, appreciation for people who just love teaching kids, you know? And just really, I, I liked that idea that like he connects with music in this very pure way of just wanting to, you know, show kids how to bang a xylophone with some mallets, you know? Yeah, and without spoiling anything, he is great. He
0: really comes through. He helps, I, it's hard to talk about this without spoiling anything, but he really comes through for Phoebe uh, and others in the book in a really adorable way that involves uh, the children that he teaches. Mm-hmm. So this is your adult debut. Um, yes. This is not your first book. I'm curious how this book was different from the other uh, things that you've written um, for Wyatt and middle grade. Um, just if the process of writing is different for you when the audience is different, or if the story is different, um, or if things are are similar once you get into that writing groove.
1: Uh, I think a lot of it is similar, especially with my YA. Um, it does have a romance plot to it. So you know, some of that is is very similar. And it also had a character who, you know, definitely wasn't me, but was based on a lot of stuff that I was kind of going through or thinking about at that time. Cause in that book, um, she's a psych major in college and she is just very fixated on all of the psychological terms that she keeps learning. And so it's, it's kind of actually a very similar vibe, almost an embarrassingly similar vibe, if I'm being honest, um, that I didn't think about until literally right this moment, but yeah, it's basically like you know, woman is obsessed with something and, you know, overthinks everything through that lens. Um, So in a way it was very similar. A lot of it was, uh, I feel like I have this epiphany sometimes where I really like a genre and I read it a lot. And then it only occurs to me later, like, why don't I try to write that genre? And I had that epiphany with YA where I was reading all this Meg Cabot and I was just like obsessed with Sarah Dessen and like all those books, like I loved those books so much. And it, it took me a while to be like, wait, why don't you write a YA then if you love it so much? And then similarly, I've always read romance. In fact, I actually tried to write adult romance before I even tried to write YA. I tried to write that back in high school. Um, and I don't know, I, I feel like in the past few years, I just kind of had this same epiphany where I was like, wait. YA is cool and all, but you're reading a lot of adult romance. Like, why don't you try that again? Um, So that was kind of my journey, you know, back into it. I love that. And I think that that's so cool. I'm curious how
0: you decide with this being an adult romance, how much spice you wanted to put into it. I know there are many different ways you can write a romance, you know, where things just sort of fade to black or where things get extremely spicy. Um, This I thought was a in my opinion, a really nice level of spice. But I'm curious how uh, that was for you to figure out what to describe and what to leave out.
1: Yeah, well, if I can just be perfectly blunt, I love sex scenes. I love them when I read them. I enjoy writing them. Like I'm all about it. So yep. to <laughs> me, it's kind of the promise of the premise when it comes to romance. Like I, I've read closed door, you know, books that I've loved. Um, so I don't think it's like a, a necessity. But at least for me, I kind of always knew going into this book that I was going to have at least, you know, a couple sex scenes in it. And um, I don't know. I I think for me, a lot of it is about the tone of the book. You know, how does the spice level fit the tone? Mm -hmm. Because I definitely feel like I've read books that are closed door and that just felt so right to me. I felt like that's the tone of this book. If they had thrown in a sex scene, it actually would have really thrown me and I don't think I would have liked it in the context of this book. And then I've read other books that were like super spicy to to the point where to me, it, it didn't fit the tone of what had come before that. So that's a lot of my calculus with it is kind of like, how does it fit the characters and their journey? And, you know, each book is different, I think.
0: I agree. But I think this was a perfect balance because I felt like the spice very much fit. The rest of the book. And I really appreciated that in the story and even in the love scenes, uh, the way that you describe Phoebe, she's curvy and very full figured. And I personally think that that's nice to see in romance because there are so many different types of people that we want to see all of the different body types represented in our romance books. Was it important for you to purposefully have um, Phoebe's body type described or was that just something that was natural to the writing process or was that sort of a conscious choice?
1: It was a little bit of both, to be honest. I mean, on the one hand, like some of it was just that's always how I pictured her. And so it was almost like that's just what she looks like. So I don't I don't know how else to describe her, you know. Um, but it also was, I think, a conscious choice to make her full-figured and to make that not like a super big deal to her either um like I I love books with you know plus size representation or you know curvy heroines or um you know however the authors describe it like I I love that and I think some books it makes sense for that character for it to almost be like part of their character arc is like their body positivity or is there you know like coming to you know some kind of peace with their body wherever they are or And for me, that wasn't really necessarily part of Phoebe's journey. Like, she looks how she looks. She is fine with how she looks. Um, But it is also, you know, part of how she kind of moves through the world.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's a great point that the way that she's described is just to describe Phoebe. And I liked that it was there that I could picture her and that I knew that she looked maybe more like I do. Um, And that was just nice to see. And it wasn't necessarily the focal point of the story, but I felt like it was done in a really wonderful way uh, that made me relate to Phoebe even more um, in this book. So you've written for middle grade, uh, young adults, and now adults. Do you have a favorite audience that you write for or are they all equally satisfying?
1: I think they're satisfying in different ways Um, because I think with kids books in particular like kids they just love books and they love like they're so it's magical to them that like somebody wrote that and so anytime I ever got to actually meet the kids that I had written the books for and got to like talk to them about writing and stuff that was always really fun and really exciting but you know there's obviously a lot of just content stuff that I enjoy about writing adult as far as like the you know, the sex scenes, like we already talked about, obviously I curse quite a lot in the book. Um, So those are all things that are kind of nice about writing for an older audience. And you can do that even with like an older YA, but it's definitely something that's nice about writing for adults. I love that.
0: You said you read romance and you have for a while. Do you have a favorite romance that you've read recently? Or is there somebody whose books you always
1: read everything they put out? Oh wow, so many. Um, I love Rachel Lynn Solomon. I love her books so much. I love her so much. I love uh, Rosie Dannon's books. I love. Um, I've been reading a lot of Alexis Hall lately, and Husband Material just came out today, so I'm very excited about that. Um, Talia Hibbert is like, you know, never fails to me. Uh, Emily Henry, obviously, Christina Lauren, a lot of the big ones that you probably can think of. My favorite, one of my favorites, because I, I never can pick a favorite, but one of my favorites of all time is the audiobook, specifically for I've Got Your Number by Sophie Kinsella. I probably recommend that book more and I've listened to it like no lie at least eight times. It's just so comforting to me. It's like the perfect audiobook to me. I love that. I love the
0: Sophie Kinsella books, but I admit I haven't listened to any of them on audio. So I'll have to check that out. Um, Were you excited to find out that the uh, blurb on the front of your book is from Allie Hazelwood?
1: Super excited. Yeah, I love Allie. And I, you know, I knew I was going to be mad at myself for forgetting certain people. But yeah, I love Allie's books as well. Uh, For our listeners, the blurb on the front of the book from Allie Hazelwood says
0: that the true crime is not reading this novel. Um, And she said it best, but I will second that as well. So I know we talked about a little bit the process of publishing, how it's been several years since you started the book, um, get it, got it to the publishers, and now it's finally coming out in the next few weeks. We always talk about publishing so far in advance mm-hmm. that I'm. you're probably not going to like this question, and it's okay if you don't, we don't have to answer it. But I'm curious if you can share anything that you're working on right now. Um, I'm excited for people to read love in the time of serial killers. And I think that we're going to hear a lot more, um, about your name and people are going to want to know if there's anything that you're working
1: on now. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I do have a second book coming out from Berkeley next year. So it's going to be next summer. I don't want to confirm a date just because they change sometimes, um, And I can say a little bit about that just because I've posted about it here and there, but it's basically rivals to lovers, which is one of my favorite tropes. It's a workplace romance, which I also love. Um, And it's set in this like fake winter attraction in Orlando. So continuing the Florida setting. And I'm like in love with these characters personally. That's just me. It's dual POV. So this time you'll get his point of view as well. And yeah, I'm very excited. And then just for myself, for my own purposes, I'm working on a baseball romance because I love baseball. Yay! For
0: our listeners, I just like did a dance um, of excitement at all of the things uh, that you just said. I'm very (laughs) much going to look forward to what's to come um, from you. Is there anything else in your, I'm sure, infinite free time Um, if you're loving something, reading, watching, anything that you're currently obsessed with?
1: Um, I go through definite phases of obsession. And right now uh, I'm watching the show Damages, which I know is like kind of an older show, but I had friends recommend it to me. And I really enjoy legal settings. Um, That's my day job is in the legal field. And so you would think I would avoid it, but I actually really like it. And so, damages has just been a lot of fun to watch. It's kind of a, I don't know, twisty, turny, like network show. I can't explain it, but it's it's fun. And at some point, I realized somehow that I had exactly the number of episodes left as days until my book came out. So I've actually been watching like one episode a night, and as part of like my little countdown to myself. Um, So I'm only like 15 episodes away. So I mean, you know, you do the math. Um, Yeah, that's something I'm really into right now.
0: I love routine like that where it's one episode at a time is the treat. Yeah, that's that how, as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, sometimes my planner is nothing but like what episode I'm supposed to watch on every day, and I think it's you know a little bonkers, but whatever, it works for me. I love that.
0: So for our listeners who might be interested in getting into writing, you have written several books before. You have a day job. Uh, you have. A spouse and two children, how do you make time to do all the things
1: that you do? I guess the short answer is I don't, but <laughs> I mean, I, I obviously, I, I guess I do like somewhat because, you know, I'm able to do some of these things. Um, I just don't know that I'm able to do them all well, all at the same time. And that's a big thing for me is I think I, I try to think of things almost like in seasons or in like little parts, like I break, I break up my life into like weeks or months or little discrete time periods. Um, and so sometimes I'll have like, you know, two weeks where I'm writing a lot and my house is not clean and I'm, you know, telling my kids to, you know, leave me alone. The doors closed like a lot. And then, you know, I have other weeks where I don't really write at all and I'm doing a lot of other stuff, you know? So um, for me, that really works. I know that some people say write every day, but I feel like I'm almost like a seasonal You know, kind of writer, where I just can't do everything all the time. You know, I think that's
0: great and important for people to hear because I think we do often say, like, "Oh, you have all of these different responsibilities and things. How do you do it all?" And it's important to distinguish that you're not necessarily doing everything all the time Mm -hmm. to a hundred percent every time.
1: Um, Yeah, definitely
0: not. You sort of have to balance, and some things got let go of like cleaning.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Cleaning is always the first to go. Whenever I see writers, you know, post something or tweet about like, "Oh, I'm on deadline, which is why my house is so clean." I'm like, "Cannot relate. Cannot relate." <laughs> if I'm on deadline and I'm stressed, I'm just like watching Seinfeld from start to finish. I'm not I'm not cleaning, that's for sure. I think that's relatable.
0: Um I think rainbow Rowell said that in an interview as well like she was able to do stuff because she just stopped cleaning for two Mm -hmm. years to write books and i think that that's that's true like if things aren't clean who cares
1: (laughs) yeah exactly and i think this is where like sometimes when you write your acknowledgments at the end of the book it almost feels like it's kind of like when you're trying to write like the most sincere thank you card to somebody but it's like there's no words that can even express like how much you appreciate whatever they did for you like one thing from the acknowledgements is it's like literally you couldn't have done it without those people. And so that's another thing I think is like kind of relying on your support systems, like whether that's like friends who encourage you and are willing to read, you know, every chapter as it comes out and kind of like just help you keep going. That's really important. Um, My husband does all the cooking, for example, because I hate to cook and it's just not something I want to make time for. And those like little things, they really, they add up and they mean a lot. And that's part of why I, I read the acknowledgements religiously to any book I ever read. Um, sometimes I even underline them, like the parts I really like, or if I recognize a name or something. And I just think that that's such a big part of it too. It's kind of leaning on any support system that you have.
0: I think that's great and brings up a good point. I also love reading the acknowledgements in every book. It makes me feel like I maybe get to know the author just that much better because I got to see who in their life got a Mm -hmm. shout out for, you know, them being able to write this book. Were the acknowledgements difficult for you to write for your book?
1: Uh, They actually were not because... Um, I mean they were they were because they're always hard because you're worried about forgetting somebody you're worried about am I making them too long am I making them you know but one thing that I, I started with this book and I will now do for every book going forward I ever write and I would recommend highly that people do it even if you're not like knowing if the book is going to be published or not because when I wrote this I didn't know what would happen with it is I write the acknowledgments as I'm writing the book, and then like right when I'm done. So I actually had like a Google draft, you know, Gmail draft open of just like, this is who I would thank if I was like thanking, you know, anybody for this book. And so like, if I had a friend who like texted me something really encouraging, I was like, oh, that's going in my Gmail draft, you know. And so actually, um, that's part of why my acknowledgments are a little unhinged, because I just have like all kinds of random stuff in there but it actually did make it really easy because it was like well i already have a gmail draft that i've been working on for you know months with just names of people
0: i think that's very smart though because then you're already actively keeping track instead of at the end when you have to sit down and try to think maybe about months and months of of process you mm-hmm. just have it handy. So I think that's very smart. And I love reading your acknowledgments and the I think there were a pair of more references in that as well.
1: Yes, I'm almost <laughs> positive that
0: there were. Yeah. At least one reference to Haley Williams, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which I'm a big fan of. Um, so for our listeners who want to find you on the internet do you have any handles for Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or anything like that, that they can follow you at? Yeah.
1: So on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Alicia books. That's A-L-I-C-I-A books. And then I have a newsletter that's aliciabooks.substack.com. And then I also have a website that's aliciathompsonbooks.com.
0: Excellent. And before we wrap up, I'm going to, I'm just, we're just going all over the board, apparently. Um, it's in the evening when we're recording this. So obviously my morning coffee is long gone. Um, I often ask authors about the cover art for their books. I love or hate <laughs> cover art for certain books. its I know that you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but it is the first thing that you notice. Um, when you're looking at the book, whether online or in person, and I'm wondering how the process, um, for you was in determining the cover art. If you had a lot of input in the design for our listeners, it's wonderful. There's pink and red. There's, uh, a raven haired woman on the cover, holding up a book. Um, if you had any input or what the process was like for the cover,
1: Yeah, it was, it was honestly like kind of a dream because, um, so there was an artist that I actually followed on Instagram. Uh, her name is Jennifer Prince. It's J E N I F E R. So just one N and she does great work. A lot of like sapphic art. Um, she has a lot of fan art for, you know, different properties. Like I think I, I think I first saw her because she did art for, um, Taylor Swift for like like lyrics from all too well or something like that. And she did this like very beautiful, like art piece based on it. And if I'm getting any of that wrong, I apologize. It was definitely Taylor Swift. I just don't remember the details. Anyway, I think that's how she got on my radar. And so I was following her on Instagram and they asked me for my input on art. And I, I mean, I said stuff about, you know, this is what I was imagining. One thing I had in mind was kind of like a vintage pulp kind of look to it. So that was something I mentioned. Um, And then they actually emailed me and said, oh, you know, we got Jennifer Prince to do your art. And I mean, I like literally screamed because I hadn't even told them that I hadn't even told them that I followed her to me. She was like so big time. I wouldn't have even thought to suggest, you know, like that she would do my cover. Um, So I'm in love with it. I think it's great. I totally judge books by their covers and I judge mine by its cover. And I think the cover is great.
0: I think the cover is beautiful. And so shout out to Jennifer Prince for the cover design. Um, This definitely stands out on your shelf and I'm happy to see that it's on your shelf behind you as well. um, As I got my copy in front of me and it will resume its place on the pink and red shelf on my bookshelf as well. Um, So, (laughs) oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I always feel, you know, it feels awkward to be like, my book is great, but it feels, um, totally fine to say the cover is great. Cause I didn't, I didn't do it. So I feel like I can say that.
0: Well, um, as a reader, I can say the cover and the book is great. Um, so we're very excited. We're, I'm very excited to have this book in the hands of readers so that I can selfishly begin discussing it um, with other people um, and have them read it. As we wrap up, is there anything that you want readers to take away from Love in the Time of Serial Colors?
1: Um, I guess for me a lot of it is just about like no matter how weird you are, there's somebody out there who will love that weirdness, like love you not despite the weirdness, but because of the weirdness. And also that, you know, it's okay to open yourself up to love and not be so I'm just going to quote Haley because she says it best. She says, if you want pure love, you have to stop acting so tough. And I think that that's a good theme for this book as well. Or
0: come in full circle. I think that that's perfect
1: for this book as well.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to discuss Love in the Time of Serial Killers with me. Again, this book is out on August 16th. So make sure you check it out. Thank Thank you. you so
1: much. Yeah, this is a pleasure.
0: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on OverDrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit EvergreenPodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by OverDrive. To learn more, visit ProfessionalBookNerds.com.